0: the back nine boys golf show all about golf from putting to driving from hooks to whatever now here's your host of the back nine boys golf show rich styles and a good morning to you and welcome to the show glad you're with us the back nine boys golf show is brought to you by mizuno golf reach beyond by club car the leader in sport utility and personal vehicles by rsm proud sponsor of the rsm classic giving back to our community And by Bridgestone Golf, get fit today for your Tour B-Ball. On the show, we're going to talk with former PGA Tour winner David Ogren of the David Ogren Golf Academy in Texas. David, in case you don't know, uh, beat Jay Haas and Tiger Woods for his biggest PGA Tour win in 1996. Then we'll talk with Allison Fillmore, former executive director of the Tour Championship, and now a VP of business development for the PGA Tour. And we'll talk with Mark Stillings, director of golf at Kiva Dunes Golf Club and Golf Shores, where I played last week. And Mark and I got together to talk about Kiva Dunes, which is rated one of the best courses in golf Shores.
1: Golf course opened in 1995. It's a jerry-pate design. It's uh, quite unique for this area in the fact that it's a Lynx setup. We're, we're very close, as you saw when you played today. We're, we've got the golf on one side. We've got the mobile bay on the opposite side and it's set up as a true links course where the ninth hole is non-returning and so you once you tee off on one you stay out there for the full 18 holes yeah i, I noticed that <laughs> and it's uh it's got a very interesting feel to it uh, very seaside we you know it's very natural we did a minimal amount of uh, clearing and disruption to the native surroundings here and i think that's something that the owners and and jerry pate are, are quite proud of in the way that we were able to fit the golf course into the natural uh, setting here yeah i was very
0: impressed with the way it kind of laid out and the way it kind of moved back and forth what are some of the similarities or some of the differences in a jerry pate golf course compared to some others that
1: maybe our listeners have listened have have played well that you know obviously that would probably uh, be better coming from jerry's mouth but well, of uh, course but i th- i think if he were here he would probably tell you that you know through his playing career uh, both in in uh, collegiate professional golf seniors golf you know he has a very keen eye on on not only what he likes to see when he's playing but what he likes to see in architecture and he's very much a student of the architecture game he's taken a lot of the the principles and foundations that some of the early architects were able to do and incorporated that into some of his designs and I think you know, from a personal standpoint, I think you know, I, I would say that he has a very interesting style of the way he sets up his bunkers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a flat floor. The sand is on the floor, but you have a a very defined grass wall. The idea is that in most cases, the ball, even if it hits the, the grassy slope, it'll release and come down into the base of the bunker. Still a difficult shot, but it, it's not one of these, that you know, real goofy where you have to have a lot of You know funny stances and lies and stuff like that and and through the years we've actually uh done some tweaking to the golf course through a couple of renovations that you know we feel like have made the course even better than Mm -hmm. what it was when we opened in 1995. and so from a, a playing standpoint if someone would ask you before they
0: went out how do i play kiva dunes what are your suggestions?
1: Well, number one, we would tell you to make sure you play the correct tee box. You know, don't bite off more than you can chew because, you know, being down here close to the gulf and the bay, uh, we do have a lot of wind that that potentially can come into play. Right. So – you know, you may start out. It's a fairly calm day. You say, well, it's, it's you know, very straightforward golf course, not much to it. But as the wind picks up, it can really change the, the playing characteristics. So, yeah. I think choosing the right set of tees based on your skill level is very important. And uh, you know, I, I think you know, it's it's not a, a target oriented course, but obviously, like most, you know, keeping the ball in play. You know, uh, if you're playing in a in a tournament setting you know we can take the take the group all the way back to the gold tees right and it, at 7100 yards with a lot of wind you know it'll challenge even the best of players yeah but i think day in and day out it's a type of course you want to you know play for positioning you know keep the ball you know generally in front of you keep it in play um, you know if you if you start hitting errant shots i mean it'll it'll penalize you because sure. we have a lot of a lot of uh uh, lateral, mostly lateral in nature. Not too many you have to cross, but we have hazards. We have wetlands, you know, that you saw as you were playing. Sure. Uh, but, you know, and, and I think the other unique, you mentioned it earlier uh, about a Jerry Pate design. He's got very interesting green complexes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and basically, you know, I've talked to him at length about this, and what he likes to see in, in, you know, great architectural design is he wants to give the player a lot of options around the green. You know, in many courses you play, you can only hit a sand wedge or, or a putter or a, you right. know, a, a hybrid off the edge of the green. Sure. But uh, in 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 our application here, you know, he gives you a, an opportunity to, you know, you can putt it in many cases. You can chip it. You can pitch right. it. You can, right. you can hit it up. It. You can you, do You yeah. know, he gives you a lot of options, and I, I think that with very large greens a lot of undulation on the greens i think i think those are characteristics that he would probably mention as well yeah and i that's one of the things that i noticed
0: is that there were a lot of options you just had to pick the right option
1: that's correct and <laughs> you know and and for the most part you know we we do get a lot of play down here we're you know we have uh, obviously on-site residents we have uh, folks that stay here with us but we are open to the public as well so you know, we want to have a very presentable golf course in great condition, but at the same time, it's got to be very playable to the to the average player. Yeah, I definitely thought it was uh, very playable. Uh, not that
0: I played it great, but it was very playable. Give us the website so our listeners can go to it and find out more about Kiva Dunes.
1: Sure, we're. It's very simple. It's uh, Kiva K I V A Dunes D U N E S dot com. Uh, We've got a lot of information on there regarding the golf course itself, on-site lodging. You know, uh, if you're looking to uh, stay here on site, we have a a unique page that shows you all the rental properties, pricing, that sort of thing. And uh, we have a a toll-free number if you'd like to call in and talk to us. It's 866-540-7100. And I also noticed uh, we played with a gentleman that's with
0: the CVB. He was with him for a long time. I asked him what he thought of Kiva Dunes, and he said it's the best in Alabama.
1: Well, uh, most, most people would not argue with that. Uh, you know we've been very fortunate. you know uh, of course Jerry Pate created a, a beautiful golf course from us for us. Uh, and we've got a, a group of owners that take a lot of pride in it and it, it's, it's always our hope that when you come to play, you know, you're going to be presented with a very nice golf course, uh, very friendly staff, uh, excellent playing conditions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've been very lucky. We've had a lot of uh, uh, mention in both state, regional, national rankings. You know, the year year we opened in 1995, we were selected as number two best new course in, in the country. Wow. And in most cases, just depending on, who's writing the uh, article or the ranking, and whether or not it includes public and private or just daily fee. Uh, we consistently are in the top, you know, one to three in the state in, in almost every publication that, or every course list that uh, is put out there. That was Mark
0: Stillings, Director of Golf at Kiva Dunes in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Of course, that I would recommend on your next visit to Gulf Shores, go to visitalbeaches.com. That's visitalbeaches.com. Dot com. Up next is Allison Fillmore, VP of Business Development for the PGA Tour. But if you're looking for new clubs, I want you to recommend the Mizuno Irons, the 923-925s. They will improve your game. These new Mizuno Irons will help you reach beyond, and then you can take a look at their new drivers, their fairway metals, the hybrids, I think, are some of the best that are out there, and you're on your way to your game improvement. Try the new models at, of Mizuno putters as well. they got blades, they got mallets. Uh, Check everything out at MizunoGolf.com. That's MizunoGolf.com. Mizuno Golf, reach beyond.
2: Hi, this is David Ledbetter, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.
0: And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest is Allison Fillmore, VP of Business Development for the PGA Tour at their headquarters. Good morning, Allison. How are you?
3: Good morning. I'm Well. How about yourself?
0: I am Weller. Thank you. I appreciate you asking. Um, Hey, this was one of the first tour championships in a while that you weren't in charge. How how was that for you?
3: (laughs) I was actually there all week. Um, It was a different world for me as I was there in a different business capacity. Uh, but ultimately I was super proud of the team I'd left back in June to move down to Punta Beach and uh, it was a really great event uh, of course I was I was you know sad to not be there in the capacity that I'd been for the past five years but ultimately excited for the team that's there and was really proud of all the hard work and effort they put in to make make it such a successful event so um, it was different but it, it was it was it was fun
0: and a little bit more drama this year than we've had in recent years with an unbelievable finish by Rory McIlroy.
3: Yes, it was so excited to see him um threepeat, uh, first one to actually win the FedEx Cup 3 times. So it was it was very very exciting all the way to the finish and and it couldn't have happened to a better guy. He was I w- I was really happy for him.
0: Well, tell me about this new position that you're in as VP of Business Development. What, what do you do?
3: So I help lead a team that focuses on official marketing partnerships, and those are season-long partnerships with the PGA Tour. And the PGA Tour is really, really uh, blessed to have such great partners that stay with us for years upon years upon years. The majority of our partners have been with us 10 years plus. So I'm out there focusing on those season-long partnerships that help grow the game, not just for the PGA Tour, but for the Cornsbury Tour, PGA Tour Champions, and our other tours as well.
0: Okay, and uh, I did see that next year's schedule came out, but it was only through the Tour Championship. What about the rest of the year, and when will that all be decided?
3: So right now we're kind of going through and seeing what that all is going to look like. As you know, we have switched to a, more of a... Um, not a calendar year schedule like it has been in the past. It's going to be mostly focused on uh, starting with our century events, moving to. We're just listening to our players, right? They, they said that they, they wanted some time off. They wanted some time to recoup. They wanted some time to be able to play against each other. So we decided to really kind of change up the schedule and make some of the events elevated events. And then get ready in the fall for the guys um, that are outside the top seventy of the um, FedEx set points. Give them an opportunity to, for them to play and uh, gain points to get back into uh, playoffs. So with the change of the playoff schedule, moving from one twenty five to one twenty five seventy to thirty to seventy fifty thirty, um, I think it's going to be really exciting. It's it's. It's something that we've been wanting to do for a long time, and some extenuating circumstances have given us the opportunity to do right. so. So, um, really looking forward to what is in store for the 2023 2024 season.
0: Yeah, and that's going to put a lot more pressure on the guys who have been in that 70 to 125, thinking, oh my gosh, I made 125. Now they got to make 70. So, it's even more important that they play well during the year.
3: Absolutely. It really does put more pressure on those guys, but ultimately it rewards the guys that are out there busting their butts, practicing all the time and really working to get into that top 70. So um, it's, it's been a uh, different world these past couple of months. And now we're really rewarding those guys that are the best of us.
0: So let me ask you this. Um, What happens to the sponsors of that have been in the wraparound season?
3: Oh, they're still, they're still with us. They're still going to be involved. There's still going to be events that are going to be there. Um, they're definitely part of the, the PGA Tour schedule. It's just in a different way now. So our sponsors have been really supportive okay. as we continue to communicate with them, um, first and foremost. Um, and they understand the situation that we're in, and they want, to be, they want to help as much as possible. So we've actually had quite a few tournaments step up and say that we, they want to move to elevated events. And we're really excited to see what that's going to look like um, next year.
0: So, as the VP of Business Development, do you uh, what year are you working on now? Because I know that you know part of it is the PGA Tour is sold out until a certain time. So, what years are you working on now?
3: We're really focused on 2024. We're okay. always a year ahead, as these partnerships uh, really do take a while to put together. Um, and as we're coming up on the 2023 uh, year time frame. And, you know, budgets get solidified about a year in advance anyway. So we're really focused on that 2024 season. Now, um, I will tell you this, that there are some partnerships that do get put together last minute, Um, you know, especially for our athletes, right? We have, uh, we focus very, um, very much so on supporting our athletes and bringing dollars to them. So, When we have companies that are looking to work with our athletes, they're a little bit easier to put together because some do have some openings in certain areas. So those can be done a little bit quicker. But those larger year-long partnerships really do, uh, we do focus on those a year in advance.
0: All right. So you're working on a year in advance. Uh, What do you look for? What is your process, Allison, in this new position for you? to go out and find a potential sponsor for a PGA Tour event? Um, Are their charitable contributions important? I know budgets are probably important. They have to have some kind of an interest in the tour. What do you look
3: for? Absolutely. You want to make sure that their brand aligns with our audience, right? So uh, we do have one of the most affluent audiences in all of sports. And with that being said, you want to make sure that you're working with partners that want to be in front of that audience. Right. So you always want to, we want to align with our partners. We're solution-based sellers. So we want to work with our partners when they have issues and really create situations and assets that help them with those challenges. So that's our big focus, uh, moving forward. It, it takes a good, you know, six months to a year to create these partnerships because they are so large. Um, but ultimately it's it's we have a great team. Not only there's not just me, but there's eight of us on our team. We have a sales operations department that really helps us build out all of our sales decks, does all of our research, negotiates our contracts, and then our corporate partnerships team, once we sell those partnerships, they work with those partners. They wake up every morning thinking about those partners and how they're gonna activate them at all of our tournaments. So it's it's actually quite a large department. It's one of the larger revenue drivers for the PGA Tour. And um, it's been such a pleasure to join the team and really get involved in this aspect of the business.
0: How long are the sponsorships? I know you probably won't do one for a year. You really want, what, a, a three-, five-year contract?
3: We really pushed for five years because okay. you want to create that loyalty for the fan base. But also, too, you don't really see your return on investment after year one. A majority of our partners have been with us 10-plus years uh, because they do understand that it does work. Like I said, we we have an account team that wakes up thinking about all of our partners every single day. Uh, And I think that's a really big benefit of this position and this department so uh, a lot of our partners have been with us for years upon years upon years and uh, they see the value in being a partner with the pga tour
0: yeah how do you like working at the tour headquarters as compared to the tour championship i know it's a big change atlanta pana (laughs) vidra um you know big 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 change for you and your family
3: Big change, yes. I will tell you this. Um, Our office was a little house across the street with wood-paneled walls, and it was a split level. Um, My office was the uh, master bedroom with a tiny little bathroom in the corner. And then I come to like the global headquarters, which is like Disney World for adults. Um, I mean, you walk in, the building is all glass. It, It looks like a, gosh, I've heard people refer to it as a spaceship (laughs) Um, it's got a, it almost looks like a castle with a moat around it. Um, but you've got great food. Um, we've got a coffee bar. We've got, um, you know, anything you want for breakfast and then uh, a cafe with lunch and all these great, um, opportunities and, um, you know, a workout facility, great decks, things of that nature. So it's been, uh, it's been a welcome change uh, for me. That's for sure. Uh, my kids may may um, differ a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But ultimately, it's been a really great change for us and our family.
0: And do you do tours there?
3: We do. We do okay. have tours of the building. Usually they're on Fridays. We bring in our families, and they can come in and join us to uh, have lunch or breakfast and tour the building. So, yes, we do have tours.
0: All right, let me ask you this. There was Golf Digest came out with the – the PGA TOUR's nicest guys. Tony Finau is, was rated number one. Rory and Webb were there. Um, I mean, they just seem like down to earth. I mean, I've met Webb. I know him. Uh, I've, I've caddied with him in pro-amps up here at the RSM, and he, he is just a class guy. But uh, that is pretty special to be named uh, the number one or even be on the list of being the nicest guys on the PGA TOUR
3: absolutely if you think about these situations these guys are in day in and day out traveling all the time you know people wanting their time asking for autographs constantly interrupting them when they're sitting down with their families at dinner you know it's 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 so important they're ambassadors of the PGA tour and to be named you know the nicest guy on the tour is is not an easy feat <laughs> um and and honestly a lot of those are true like Tony Finau is just a great guy Rory is is an absolute sweetheart um Jordan Spieth is is a really nice yeah. guy as well there's so many good guys on the PGA tour um that give so much and give back because ultimately that's the focus of what we do um we want our our tournaments to give back in the communities that they play in um and the guys follow suit with that as well so and um, we're so proud of our athletes and what they do, um, not just inside the ropes but outside the ropes. And um, we couldn't ask for, for better athletes to be a part of our, our tour.
0: One of the things that I noticed and a lot of folks in the media noticed that after Tiger had kids that his demeanor kind of changed and he was more uh, welcoming, he was uh, easier to talk with. Um, And it kind of during that time that he was off, it just seemed to kind of settle him down a little bit. Um, Do you agree with that?
3: I absolutely agree with that. I mean, he went through a lot in a short period of time. And I think it really brought him kind of down to earth, makes him more, you know, relevant, makes him more just real as a person. And I think he realized that he's definitely much more down to earth, willing to talk to people He still, you know, really focuses when he's at events. So a lot of times uh, people may take it as, oh, he's a little bit standoffish, but he is just really driven and focused and wants to win. So he doesn't let anything really interrupt his day. Um, But, yes, I do agree he has changed quite a bit. I know the media has mentioned it. um, And uh, he is—he's definitely been a little bit more um, easy to – get along with, as mm-hmm. well as, as speak to, as well as interview.
0: Allison, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm excited for you, for your family, for the Aww. tour to have you there. And uh, I think you're just one of the best. And uh, thanks for uh, being with us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And everybody get out there and make sure you're watching the President's Cup this weekend. It's really exciting. And uh, go USA.
0: You bet. Thanks, Allison. Have a great day. Yep.
3: You as well.
0: Bye, Rich. Allison Fillmore, former executive of the Tour Championship, now VP of Business Development for the PGA Tour. Coming up next, our guest will be former PGA Tour winner David Ogren. But first, we want to talk about something that you may be considering for dinner tonight. I would highly recommend CJ's Pizza on Mallory Street across from Parker's on St. Simon's Island. It is the oldest Italian eatery on the island. And maybe that's because they've experienced everybody has that one of a kind, nothing else will do thing. That is CJ's. Their signature is the deep dish crust. They also have thin crust, cauliflower crust, made by hand daily. Also, hoagies, meatballs, homemade salad dressings, and don't forget the wraps, pasta dishes, desserts, you name it. They've got it. And if you're interested in just calling, you can pick it up. And they'll have it ready for you. They've got a parking place right out front. You can just get that. They'll bring it right out to you when it's done. Uh, But they also have DoorDash, and you can just order on their website, and DoorDash will bring it to you. Just go to CJ'sItalianRestaurant.com, and they will take care of .com.
1: This is Daniel Gray,
2: elite instructor at Sea Island Golf Performance Center, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys.
0: And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. David Ogren played on the PGA Tour and on the Champions Tour. Now he owns David Ogren Golf Academy in Texas. Good morning, David, and welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show.
2: Well, thank you. Since I'm on the Back Nine of life, I fit right in.
0: (laughs) You certainly do. You you know, you don't know this, but you and I have a lot in common. We both grew up in Illinois. We both are Cub fans.
2: Okay, well, we got our World Series in twenty. Sixteen. We, we we can go we can go to the great beyond in peace. I'll tell you that. Yeah, with
0: a with a big smile and say yes, we did it. Um, and <laughs> you did it. Uh, you won three times on the tour, six times overall. Biggest win nineteen ninety six, and uh, at the Lock and Terra Texas Open. Tell us about that, David.
2: Well, uh, Lock and Terra, uh, I guess, was uh, my home tournament. I wouldn't call it my home course, but my home tournament. But it was a great fall because that was the coming-out party for Tiger Woods. So Tiger comes out in Milwaukee, and he has this start where he starts as a total zero on the PGA Tour, and he goes to the seventh tournament stretch. Excuse me. And he earns his way into the Tour Championship, of all things. Uh, but in Texas, um, I beat uh, Jay Haas. By one shot, Tiger Woods by two shots, and um, uh, it was a good victory. Uh, but to win, uh, Rich, one of the things that uh, my good friend Scott Fawcett likes to say is it takes a little bit luck, Yeah. and I happen to win with the highest winning score that uh, they've shot at La Quintera. Now, I played great. I, I shot something like 1,300 bar or something for 72 holes. But La Quintero always scored in the 20-unders, uh, except for my year. And there were some circumstances that led to it. But I, uh, I played great, and I got the victory, and uh, um, it fulfilled you know, one of those childhood career dream things.
0: And at that point, you didn't know what Tiger was going to go into. We had a lot of expectations at that point, but not many people can say that they beat Tiger Woods by two strokes.
2: Yeah, but uh, I'm going to correct you on that. We all knew.
0: Oh, you knew that. Absolutely, okay. all
2: knew in 1996. Okay. Except for Curtis, except for Curtis Strange in that interview, uh, we all knew what Tiger Woods was going to be uh, from from the get go. Yeah. Uh,
0: 1980 was a big year for you. You won the Illinois Open, the Illinois State Championship, both in the same year. What was that like for you?
2: Oh gosh, uh, you're asking me for ancient history. Um,
0: Not so ancient, but. A little, a a little bit away. Last
2: last century. (laughs) The ironic thing thing about winning both the Illinois Amateur and the Illinois Open is they were both (laughs) played in Bloomington, Illinois that year. Right. And um, I I went, and I just, I just played well. I I won at Crestwick uh, for the Illinois Amateur, and I won at Bloomington Country Club, Illinois Open, and I was just playing some really good golf in 1980. Uh, doing all phases of the game well. And I look back at at at, at that era here, uh, geez, uh, 42 years later, and I go, wow, I was actually pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you turn pro. How different was it going from college to, you know, then playing and winning some tournaments prior to going to college, and then you decide to turn pro, how different was that for you?
2: Well, one of the things you got to remember about being a professional golfer is that no matter where you are, what course you're on, what condition you're in, somebody is going to shoot low. Hmm. Somebody's going to shoot a 67. Somebody's going to shoot in a hurricane force wind. Somebody's going to, you know, really light it up. Uh, and you, have, you can't be afraid to light it up. And go really, really low. Uh, I have a, a, a young lady that I'm friends with that is just starting her LPGA journey, and she just played in the, one of these women's amateur professional tour events, and she shot a nice solid like three or four under par for for three days. Yeah. But the winner was uh, 12, 13, 14 under or something. Wow. How do you how do you shoot low? Yeah. How do you go low and not be scared?
0: Yeah. Yeah, how do you how do you not be tentative and try and be aggressive without being too aggressive?
2: Correct. And 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 there's um that's one of the great uh, things that's happened in the last oh, ten years or so is that um, with ShotLink and ShotLink data from the PGA Tour, um, there's actually mathematical models how to play the game that work, if you if you if you care to pay attention.
0: Right. Okay. So. Now, after your tour career, Champions Tour, PGA Tour, now you're fulfilling your dream, your dream of the David Ogren Golf Academy. Tell us how great that is to be fulfilling a dream that you've had.
2: Well, the, the interesting thing about that is I, is I was thinking about this yesterday. I, I, I can't believe I got to a point in my life where playing the game uh, isn't, the, uh, isn't the focus. I got to the point where, um, you know, I'm. Let's see, I'm been open for 60 years old. Uh, I'm not going to play the Champions Tour anymore, and I just happened to know that there was this this facility that had been closed down. And I went out and uh, took a look at it, stomped around for a while. I happened to know the uh, the uh, landlord, the person who owns the property and stuff. And I played. Let's make a deal, and made a deal, and now I've got this academy where I'm sharing, um, sharing what I've learned in golf with other people, and it's been very rewarding experience. And when I'm done with you here this morning, I'm going to go put myself through the car wash and and uh, go out and uh, I got eight lessons scheduled today, so. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty cool deal.
0: Yeah, it's it's really neat to be able to share what you've known, what you have done, and uh, work with somebody. Uh, and you know, we all know the future is in golf is the juniors. And what is it about juniors today um, that you feel make them more teachable?
2: Uh, great question. Um, I I think uh, juniors today. Um, um, and basically students today, they have an almost unlimited amount of data they can look at. Um, okay. YouTube and, and the internet and uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff that uh, that they can look at. And um, I think that um, the good juniors, the really good playing juniors um, understand that out of that they can at least get their college education uh, through the scholarship system that we've uh, developed in the United States uh, across a whole bunch of different levels. And I I think it's worth their pursuit to do that. Um, And again, um, you've you've followed me enough to know that I'm more in that sharing the knowledge. I'm not going to make a kid do anything. Right, They can choose to do whatever they want to do, but I'm going to share what I think I know and let them uh, proceed from there. And I actually think that style of coaching, uh, a style that our good friend Michael Hebron up in New York uh, really preaches, I, I think really helps students um, improve faster and enjoy the game more.
0: So when you start working with somebody, whether they be a junior or who's, who's been playing for quite a while, what do you want to know about them and their game? Uh, in in order for you to really try and help them and improve the way that they play?
2: Well, I, I look for three, three things. Uh, number one, um, are they athletic enough to play the game? And um, so when I do a first lesson, it usually starts with um, standing in front of the ball with a club in your hand, and, and putting your body in, a, in an athletic-type position where they can move the club. Okay. second thing I want to know um, is uh, their wrists and their hands and their forearms, uh, can they move in all the necessary dimensions to hit a golf ball? Um, I, have a, I actually coach a couple of guys that crack me up. They're 80-something years old, and hmm. uh, they do things like play in the Senior Olympics, right? Yeah. And arthritis gets them. Yeah, right. So their arms and the hands and the wrists don't move as good as it used to. And of course, you got hypermobile kids where uh, they just they move and they flop around like uh, like a jellyfish. But basically, can they you know put their wrist in some sort of ninety degree angle uh, with a lead arm in the club, and um, from there, can they on the other side of the ball can they, can they get it all straightened out? Can they get some sort of extension with both the arms and the body? Okay. And the, those are the three things I look for. After that, once they kind of get that basic motion, then, uh, then we go into other
0: stuff. All right, so what is one thing that you've seen with people that you're working with uh, most often that they're doing wrong? And how do you help them get into the way you would like to teach them?
2: Well, I think it's pretty well known about those of us who coach that the one thing that a a golf swing needs is the correct path back to the ball from the end of the backswing. And um, I just think there's this instinct to uh, put the club over on the um, ball side away from you and try to swing it like a Ferris wheel straight up and down so you know, end of the backswing. Then you put the club over there somewhere, and you try to hit it straight. And of course, that produces the outside, the in hit, and the slice. Right. Um, and then trying to get that that circle, that that uh, that golf swing on a tilted plane. Oh God, I'm using one of those crazy phrases. <laughs> um, you know, and so that the club has some sort of inside-out uh, path to the ball that the club. Um, you know, uh, is on what I call the draw side. Okay. And, um, you know, moving to the ball that way, that's the number one thing. And then it's companion is going back to the wrist forearm thing. Can they then square up the club face?
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, most teachers that I've, that, that I've talked with, I mean, they care somewhat about what happens prior to hitting the ball. But the biggest thing is how they swing. Sometimes you can't change that because they've been doing that for so long, but, the most important thing is how do they get back to the ball? Their impact.
2: Yeah, and uh, I get, again, again, uh, I I do use a GC Quad or TrackMan enough, and um, I've had two or three clients where they, they they slightly come over the top, right? Right. And hit the ball really, really good. Well, we just kind of apply the uh, the, the kind of the Sam Sneed model to it. Just kind of point a little bit on the right side, and all of a sudden, all of the "quote unquote" numbers start normalizing out, and just do it that way. And uh, they're fine with it. They play great golf. I had a client last night that says um, body shape, body type. He's never going to hit his driver on a draw path. Right. Never. Yeah. So we're just working on the power fade.
0: Gotcha. How would you recommend for someone, David, that, that just wants to improve their game? Should they just start out working on the short game or trying to make better impact, or both?
2: Okay, you ask a great question, and, and i got uh, one of the things that I use, one of the brand names I use, is Operation 36. Ryan uh, uh, Daly, Matt, um, Matt Reagan's and yeah. they came up with. In I North Carolina. Yeah. And if you really want to learn the game, Really want to learn the game. You start twenty-five yards away from the hole. See how many shots it takes you to get to the hole. Once you get good at that, move to fifty. The problem, and move to hundred, then move to 150, then move to two hundred, and so on, so on, so on. The problem with that is nobody has the patience to do that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. They want everybody wants it immediately.
2: Right. Well, and 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 in my business over here at the academy, I got two halves to it. I've got the half where people are trying to learn golf, and I have the other half where people want to hit golf balls. And I am way okay with that. Go to the range, take the driver, wail away, go to Top Golf, wail away, uh, you know, just have fun. Just don't assume <laughs> that, you know, you're practicing anything. Right. It's a game unto itself, and I'm way okay with that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I actually just hit balls for the joy of hitting balls. Sometimes okay. All right, but once, once, once yeah. a
0: month. All right. I, I got you. All right. Well, we want to find out more about that and a couple of other things, but we've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with David Ogren of David Ogren Golf Academy in Texas right after this on the back nine boys golf show.
1: This is Don Donatello. You're listening to the back nine boys golf show.
0: And welcome back. We're on the phone with David Ogren of the David Ogren Golf Academy in Texas. And David, um, how do you feel about the talent today compared to the talent when you were on the tour
2: uh, well okay so uh, I find what's interesting rich is I have a couple of 15 uh, year old boys that I coach mm-hmm. that are actually way better players uh, than I was when I was 15 okay but then I kind of look at my age group the 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 boys and the girls born in 56 Six, fifty-seven, fifty-eight, and uh, when I look at my exact age group, we had some pretty talented golfers: Gary Hallberg, Hal Sutton, John Cook, down there in Louisiana, Wayne D. My All-American plaques are are filled with pretty good golfers. Yeah, I just think there's more of them now. There's more of them. Just uh, Title Nine did it for the girls, and um, I think Tiger Woods did draw a bunch of other people into the game at one point. So <clears throat> um, I don't think the athlete is um, or the, the innate golf skills much better. Although I will say I just said the athlete, and I had to correct myself because if you look at the guys that are on the tour, yeah, they're all big guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: so Kevin Kisner is just a little bunter out there, uh, but you know, even Billy Horschel and uh, uh, Tom Kim and those guys—they're not small people. And I, I think the athlete in all sports has gotten bigger, faster, stronger, and so we should expect some sort of improved imp- performance. Uh, when we were growing up, nobody threw the ball 100 in baseball. And now there's uh, some guy just set the record for the most hundred mile an hour pitches for a starter. Yeah. Game.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're right. um, You're right. You know, there's that going for the game of golf. And then I I reject the idea that the equipment has covered up for talent. I I think talented people using better equipment are doing great things.
0: Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. I think the equipment may enhance, but you've got to have the talent to enhance the equipment.
2: I I totally agree.
0: Yeah. All right, let me ask you this, and I was trying not to talk about the Live Tour, but how do you feel about this stuff going on between the PGA Tour and Live?
2: I am an absolute um, homer. I'm I'm a... proponent, advocate, sycophant, if you will, for the PGA Tour. Um, I, I know the LIV is going to be a some sort of limited success. Um, but I, I just as you were uh, phoning me, I was reading a tweet where one of the uh, LIV Twitter bots called the President's Cup a stain on the game. And hmm. if anything's a stain, it's the way L.I.V. LA- came out and the way they, L.I.V., is talking about the PGA Tour. Yeah. For the most part, the PGA Tour is over here just kind of being quiet and going about their business.
0: Yeah.
2: P- you know, the players might voice their opinions, right? Yeah. But the PGA Tour itself is over here being quiet and going about their business, like this week's President's Cup. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a lopsided victory for the United States. But I watched some of that golf yesterday afternoon.
0: It's pretty good golf. I mean... That,
2: that was really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, what do I really feel? Um, I don't think there's any chance. I don't think there's any chance that the PGA Tour is going to be the one that holds out the olive branch to LIV first. Yeah. Um just the way they went about it. And LIV is just demanding stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Demanding.
0: Well, they're demanding and, stuff that they uh, obviously have given up, according to the PGA Tour. They're demanding to get it back. They want everything. They want the money and to still play it in certain right. events. And,
2: and so from my point of view, uh, those guys traded right legacy, tradition, history, um, for money. All of that for money.
0: Yep, yep. And, and I mean, those are the consequences. Be okay
2: with that. I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. Okay with that. Um,
0: we got about a minute. I
2: I do think the majors, if the if the player is eligible, should let them play because they're not PGA Tour. So Patrick Reed and the Bubba Watson and Dustin Johnson and those guys should all play the Masters. Cam Smith has got five years, ten years to play all these majors. That's fine and dandy, um, but just, that's
0: because uh, they got to get uh, world ranking points. I mean, and they're not going to get them. It just it doesn't fit the criteria.
2: No, right, and that that's for the other guys that don't have those major championships.
0: Right, the guys right. with
2: the major championships. I got gotcha. They'll be fine for five or ten years.
0: I got gotcha. you, David. Thanks, I appreciate it. And uh, tell Clark Addison that I said, hey, would you please your son?
2: I would. Uh, did you get any? a cast off from the hurricane as it went by?
0: Not yet. We're hoping not, okay? Alrighty. All righty. Alright, my friend. Take care. Have a great day. Talk to you later. Alright. David Ogren, David Ogren Golf Academy in Texas. Former PGA Tour win. Beat Tiger Woods in 96 when he first came up. And uh, we just want to thank you for being with us here on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Heard every week from 8 to 9 on Saturday and Sunday. Check out our Facebook pages on Rich Styles or Back Nine Boys. Thanks for being with us. You've been listening to the Back Nine Boys
2: Golf Show with Rick Styles. Go to Backnineboys.com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all-new Back Nine Boys at Backnineboys.com.